0: topic I want to talk about today is one which um, we haven't talked about for a while, at least I haven't talked about for a while, um, which is about anger. Um, One of the the precepts of um, Zen Buddhism, or Buddhism in general, um, is no indulging in anger, or sometimes it's worded as no harbouring of anger. Um, Some versions of it are, don't be angry. Um, but I don't think that's actually a very good um, way of wording it, um, as we'll look at more closely. But if we look at what the um, the uh, practice alternatives are to harbouring anger or um, indulging in anger, it's uh, letting it go, and in some cases it's letting it be, not necessarily acting on it. But it may involve acting on it. And that's why it needs to be a bit more nuanced than just saying, don't be angry. my may say from the beginning too, um, so uh, I'm not being disingenuous, is that um, like like uh, everyone, I experience anger. And sometimes it's anger that I feel okay about um, if they're to do with, say... Um, Uh, social justice issues or environmental issues or institutional greed and things like that. Um, And there's sometimes this anger that I experience um, which I'm not very proud of either. So I'm just trying to I don't want to to give a talk on anger implying that somehow I'm, I'm above it in some way. I experience it like everyone. However, um, what I do notice is that when I'm angry in a way which I feel has been in a, inappropriate, I do feel very regretful of it and it's something that I, I want to acknowledge you know and, and and work with in some way. And also I may say that over over the time I've been practicing sin um, and I suppose I'm saying this in terms of um, giving some kind of insight or hope as to where the practice, how the practice evolves, I do know that I'm far less angry than I used to be when I was younger and I can see as I get older um, that I, as I practice with it more that anger just doesn't seem to rise as much as what it used to or it doesn't arise as intensely as what it used to. So I think over time, they're, they're, with this practice there can be a diminishing of anger that occurs But whether you get rid of it altogether, I'm not so sure. I'm not even quite sure if that would be a good thing. Um, From a plain biological point of view, um, we have anger or aggression built into us, and we need to, to survive. We all have a fight-flight mechanism. Animals need to have a certain aggression. If they're carnivores, you know, kill other animals and eat them whether human beings are carnivorous or not, we all need to have a certain kind of fire in the belly, a kind of determinism to go out and, and earn a living, you know, and get by, and to um, defend ourselves, protect ourselves, or protect others around us. So as a kind of energy that's built into us, um, it's there, it's hardwired into us. It's just a matter of whether we use that energy wisely or we use it unwisely. Um, But to pretend that it doesn't exist in us as a kind of um, energy or force um, is to deny our humanity, I think. Having said that, um, there's um, a pattern that I see emerging um, amongst people who practice Buddhism not just in in our group, but generally speaking, of people I come across. And it appears to be along the lines of um, Buddhist people tending to lack what I would refer to as assertiveness, which is the appropriate use of that that anger um, when it arises. And I find so many people... um, have experiences in relationships and so on where they feel that with their Buddhist values it's like they've just got to accept everything that comes to them um, and somehow they've got to be calm or compassionate or loving in terms of everything that, that, that they experience. Now they are, all of those things are appropriate responses but being assertive back um, and developing assertiveness skills is not contrary, it's not contrary to the principles or values of Buddhism at all. Mm-hmm. A very useful um, statement about anger actually comes from Greek philosopher Aristotle. And what he said was: anybody can become angry. That is easy. But to be angry with the right person and to the right degree, and at the right time, and for the right purpose, and in the right way, (laughs) that is not within everybody's power, and that is not easy. Mm -hmm. And that is the challenge there. Um, What Aristotle is referring to, to use um, modern psychological terms, is assertiveness. You know, how, how to actually channel that anger at times in a way where it's actually a wise um, response to what is occurring rather than just shut, shut it all down. People, you can be angry in various different ways, just to outline. The most obvious way is to be explosively angry, either verbally or physically, be violent. Um, but there's other ways that people can be angry. People can be angry in what's referred to as passive-aggressive ways where rather than being sort of open and volatile, it's kind of closed down and then people act out their anger by not turning up to appointments on time, you know, withdrawing support from other people. It doesn't look like anger, but it's actually a, a sort of a simmering kind of anger that gets acted out. So it can be in that hot... In that hot kind of way, or can be done in that um, passive kind of way, or this is probably the worst kind of anger. It's done in a cold way, you know, which is sort of getting to be more reptilian, you know, or psychopathic. You know, people who sort of just calculate, calculating out of resentment how to get revenge, you know, without actually directly um, appearing to be angry. Um, it can also be somaticized Some people. Um, stuff their anger inwards, and it comes out through all kinds of, you know, somatic um, problems, you know, heart attacks and things like that, various illnesses. One way of thinking of anger is, um, or putting it into, into, into a spectrum, there is just people who are explosive, and then there can be people who have a style where they bottle up and then they explode. Or you have people who just bottle and never explode, it just simmers, just sort of boiling away, like that all the time. And then you have anger which just freezes up. You know? It just becomes so, so stuck and so pushed down that it freezes. And that's the cause of some people's depression, just frozen, frozen anger. You know? Don't know what to do with it at all. So, they're the various ways that it can come out. It comes out in, in very different, subtle kind of ways, as well as obvious ways. And they're kind of, in a sense, too often people have a style either to um, dump it on others, like to blame others for their circumstances, be very critical, judgmental, etc. And some people stuff it in, you know. Or and their anger then may be directed in towards themselves in an unhealthy way, rather than necessarily directed out towards to others in some um, kind of way. People directing anger in on themselves is quite a quite a phenomenon. Um, it comes out in the form of you know like very very harsh self-judgment, self-criticism, and it, and it's in its worst case scenario. Um, it's behind, um, it's the, it's the uh, drive behind suicide or it's the drive behind self-harm in some kind of way, but it's like it's a crazy kind of um, experience where, the, where anger is just turned in entirely this way rather than outward that way. So it can be a very destructive energy, whether it's directed outwardly or it's directed inwardly. So it's very important that in Dharma practice that we become very familiar with this energy which is inside of it. We become intimate with it and know it. Better the devil you know (laughs) than the devil you don't know. Uh That's the saying goes. The ways of dealing with it it, it requires discernment. This is why um, mindfulness is a great practice, but it, it, mindfulness needs to be not just um, intention thought of, not just intentionally bringing attention to the present moment in a non-judgmental way. The way Buddhists define mindful, some of my, my, my uh, Buddhist psychotherapy colleagues are more um, got a more academic background in Buddhism than me. Are inclined towards the definition of mindfulness as bringing um intentionally bringing attention to the moment in a discerning way right? a bit more nuanced and so if you bring mindfulness to anger you're, you're clearly um, aware when it's in present in, in inside of you this is a really good first step in terms of um, Learning how to practice with anger and manage anger from a Dharma point of view. The first is to recognize it, right? Not to have some kind of um, pure image of yourself as a Buddhist who never gets angry, right? That's not skillful and it's dishonest, really, when it arises. Um, We've got to cut through clinging to identities and just be true to that embodied experience when it comes up self, we're angry, we're angry. And it's true in one sense, we're non-judgmental of it, it's like, yep, it's there, it's arisen, and then it's also discerning, because okay, it's there, Um, there's no point being angry at being angry, that'll make it worse, so okay, it's there. I'm angry at the moment, I'm aroused. Now, where it becomes discerning, and this is very important there's some kind of sense there's some kind of processing goes on mindfully is this anger that's coming out of um, a self-centered place right so I'm just reacting because I'm not getting what I want in a very unskillful kind of way or is it anger that's coming from some deeper place that's coming from some more loving place or kinder place or braver place, which is giving me information that either, for instance, my boundaries are being um, invaded or other people's boundaries are being invaded, someone's being exploited or I'm being exploited or someone else is acting in a self-centred way that's impacting on me. So what do I do about it? So that's where the discerning comes in. Am I just being plain indulgent in my anger or is there a reason why this is being triggered off at the moment? Mm, that's where discernment comes in. If it is, if we, if we make a, a judgment call on it, an assessment, okay, it's, it's coming from something that requires a response, I need to listen to this, this is where we may be triggered into then what Aristotle said, you know, um, and what psychologists might refer to as appropriate assertiveness in the way that we deal with things. And um, if that's the case, I mean, there's many different things, there's many options we can do. We, we can let it go. We can recognise it but not do anything. That's, that's, a, that's a valid response. Or we may need to verbalise something, you know, in terms of... Um, stating what we're not happy about or what it is that we need. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is what I'm finding is often, um, if I would suggest there's a pattern emerging that I see amongst Buddhists of not necessarily being assertive when when it's required Mm -hmm. and feeling like it's somehow wrong to do that. But the the skill is, how how do you do it wisely? The two extremes of dealing with anger which are not useful as being aggressive on the one hand um, and harmful to others, verbally or whatever. The other is just to be passive and to be a doormat. And um, my little mantra that I often use in terms of dealing with assertiveness is not just to use the words assertiveness, but my little mantra is calm assertiveness. Now, we may not always be completely calm when we're angry, but if people can calm a bit, you know, recognise they're angry, calm a bit, pause, give themselves a little bit of time mindfully, um, often it gives us the chance to actually say what we need to say, so that it's going to be heard. You just blast someone and you're judgmental. You're not going to get your point across. But there's a way in which you can develop Um, a a calmer kind of assertive response, which is constructive. It's actually saying what you don't want and what you prefer to happen, or it's saying what you do want. Mm -hmm. It's it's skillful because it's actually probably going to get a a better outcome Mm -hmm. rather than not. But the fact is all of us could probably put our hands up to thinking of unskillful ways in which we've been angry in our life. Mm-hmm. okay, it, it emerges, you recognise it, you forgive yourself and you move on. But it is the challenge of Dharma practice to how we, how we deal with this emotion in a mature way. Just stuffing it in is not mature. Just dumping it on others is not mature. Mm-hmm. But just trying to close the whole thing down altogether isn't healthy or mature either. So it's a matter of recognising that energy when it comes up and how we use it. And we're guided I guess through that, through the precepts as a way of guiding us through how to express um, our emotions in a way which are not harmful to others. Sometimes it has to be forceful, though it doesn't always look pretty. Imagine you've had a friend and that friend was intoxicated with alcohol or another drug, and you're out on a Saturday night with him, and they wanted to drive a car home. Um, and you used all all diplomatic verbal ways of doing it. You know, please don't drive. You know, you're drunk. Da 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 da. Think of others. Too. But they're belligerent and they're drunk, and they still want to drive. You might have to forcibly take the keys away from them. You must, may have to use physical force to do it. If that was what your intention was, to protect them and protect others, and that's what you had to do, well, personally for me, that wouldn't go against my Buddhist values to do that. Or to use another example, um, if, say, um, my, my wife or my sister or any of my women friends was being threatened in some kind of way, for me personally, it'd be an an option on the table that I might have to use some kind of physical force to protect. Now, it's only one option. I think it's the only one. Could be a whole lot of different options you could use. But for me personally, that'd be an option on the table. And it wouldn't go against my personal values if I had to act on it. Other people might think differently. But there are ways Again, which are saying which anger may be used wisely or it's used unwisely. And, um, and that need, needs to be taken into consideration. Um, to round off, there is a, um, a story which they believe comes from, um, it's a little story that comes from uh, the Cherokee Indian tribe in North America and it's called the, the, the Tale of the Two Wolves. And um, it's about a grandfather talking to his grandson, trying to um, give some wisdom to his grandson. And he said, there are two wolves inside of us. And there's a good wolf who is kind and brave and loving. And there is another wolf which is really mean and driven by greed and hatred and ignorance and they're fighting one another all the time. And the grandson says, well which wolf wins? And the grandfather says, the one you feed. The one you feed. And that is a good note to end on in terms of looking at how we deal with this this very powerful emotion within ourselves that can come up at times, is which Which wolf do we feed? Mm -hmm. The one which is just driven by self-centeredness or the one that has a really much more holistic view of the way life is and a sense of connectedness and acts from that position. And I think that what happens over time is if you don't feed the wolf, the mean wolf, it loses its power. Mm -hmm. It's not such a force to be reckoned with over time. Um, It doesn't win. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the kind of the long-term transformation that happens with Dharma practice. That angry energy may still be there, but it's not driven by a mean wolf. It's driven by the other wolf. Thank you.